Welcome to St. James Lutheran Church in Chicago. My name is Pastor Joel Hess, and it's my privilege to talk about Jesus and the hope and the peace we have in Him. Uh, please enjoy the following message. And if you like, uh, support the mission of God here in this area by going to our webpage, stjames-lutheran.org. He died for your sins and mine. He rose again three days later. He ascended into heaven and reigns. What a beautiful story. But that's not the end of the story. That is the end of the work of God for our salvation. Jesus did the job God gave him, and that is to win you over, to pay the price for your sins, to conquer death. But the story is not ended. It continues. In the Bible, you go on from Matthew, Mark, Luke, John to Acts, and Acts is the continuation of the disciples. That is the body of Christ, Christ himself, alive in this world through his church. What does that look like? Peter knows what that looks like. And he knew that his people that he had cared for in Rome knew what that looks like, and it wasn't as exciting as they may have thought to be serving a God who raised someone from the dead, to be serving someone who did all these wonderful miracles. The people of Peter's day, the first believers, might have been surprised as to how life isn't that easy as a Christian. Peter writes this letter, and uh, we call it First Peter because it's his first letter, and uh, he writes it from Rome. He calls it Babylon. We know that because at the end of the letter he says, I'm writing from Babylon, and there was no real Babylon then that was of any significance. Rome was Babylon. And what had happened is something terrible. It was about 63, 64 uh, A.D., and uh, the Roman emperor was Nero. And uh, he wanted to, uh, like every emperor, he wants a legend for himself. So he wanted an opportunity to build new things, to, to make a name for himself, to be a hero, to build monuments to his heroism, that sort of thing. And so what apparently happened, it wasn't known at the time, he started some fires. So just like the great Chicago fire we had in, uh, actually, I'm not going to say that was started by politicians, so don't, don't, don't quote me at that. Well, who knows, though? This is Chicago, by the way. But uh, Nero in 64, um, a great fire broke out throughout Rome, and uh, much like the Chicago fire, just tore through and killed lots of people, destroyed everything. What a calamity. And not till later do we find out that Nero did this. There's a uh, famous sort of quote that Nero played the violin while Rome burned. Now, we don't actually have pictures of him doing that, but there are many eyewitnesses that saw him joyfully watching from afar the fire. Now, as this occurred, he was hoping that it would kind of wipe out some things and he was going to be able to do some great new buildings to make a name for himself. Watch out for people that want to make a name for themselves. And so uh, people started to actually rumor or gossip that it was Nero. 
and all his planning to come out to look like a hero, he was starting to look like a, what rhymes with hero? A zero. That sounds like a mom's, yeah, right? Don't be a hero, you be a zero. Anyhow, so they're starting to talk about this and uh, make him feel, or you know, he wasn't looking so good. And so Nero came up with this great scheme. I know who did it. It was the Christians. Because they, have, they were a sort of a new cult in the Romans' minds, and no one knew what they were doing, right? They were, many of them were Jewish, but also they were adding a more and more Gentiles or Romans to it, and they would go into closed rooms, and they would pray to this God, and they would talk about this Jesus as if he was God, which was very weird for everybody back then, that this man Jesus was actually God. The people actually believed it, and he rose from the dead, and you know what else? They they were doing communion, but they were doing it privately, lovingly, and no one knew what that was. Talking about eating and drinking the body and blood of Christ. And so people, suspicious, started spreading rumors. So in other words, Nero had the opportunity to blame it on this new group of revolutionaries. And so he caused the persecution to spring out in Rome. And I suppose it was maybe, well, it wasn't the first. The first persecution of Christianity was within the Jewish sects themselves as they threw out fellow brothers and sisters of Abraham who believed that Jesus was the Christ. But the second one was Rome and the Greeks and this particular one of Nero. He actually would take some of them, round up some Christians, and use them as, um, one might say, um, lamps for his parties as he set them on fire while they all ate. Can you believe that? Yeah, I got some large open eyes over here. I say this, this isn't for the children's sermon, so I thought I would, yeah. Isn't that crazy though? So imagine yourself a Christian, a new convert. You came into this world of this Jesus who's risen, and he's God, and it's awesome, and now you're being persecuted. And a lot of them had to flee and run from their home. And they end up going uh, east into what was called then Asia, or Asia Minor, Turkey, what we call it now. Frightened. Can't go back whole world turned upside down, and they must have been wondering, what is this that we are supposed to be the children of God, that our Jesus rose from the dead, that we filled the Holy Spirit, and everything started out so good, right? Acts chapter 2, they, they got together, they listened to the apostles' doctrine, they shared everything, they had communion, and they prayed, and everything was great. What kind of religion is this? What kind of God is this? So Peter writes this just beautiful letter to them, and uh, he begins, we don't have it right here that we just read, but he begins by saying, by, uh, by calling them exiles. And then he gets to this point here. This is the main part of his. Overall, if you read First Peter, this seems to be quite a focus here, because he knows that they are questioning in their trouble. And he says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. This isn't weird, is what he's saying. This shouldn't surprise you, actually. Jesus, time and time again, says, you're going to pick up your cross. If the world hated me, they're going to hate you. Don't be surprised. Peter wants them to just relax in the sense that this is not outside of God's plan. 
It's not an obstacle even to God's plan. I've been saying that about this pandemic. It's not persecution, but do not think for a second this is not incredibly, complicitly, explicitly a part of God's plan. And it's good for the church and for the growth of the church, which really means it's good so more and more people can have hope in Christ. God will use it to draw them to it. Same thing for Peter, saying the same thing. Don't be surprised. You're going to be persecuted. People don't like good things. It's weird. It seems strange to say that, but we really don't. We all kind of don't. We don't like righteousness. We don't like truth. And you know what? We don't like people forgiving our enemies, right? We don't actually like loving those that don't deserve love, right? Don't be surprised, he says. The world does not like God. And I would say, it doesn't say it right here, you did not like God before he liked you, loved you, brought you into his kingdom. That is human nature. That's a fundamental biblical, philosophical, political Christian teaching. That if you don't got that right, the world will always be confusing to you. We are bad. <laughs> it's a fact. It's empirical. And you can observe it until God finds us, loves us into him. Don't be surprised, he says, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's suffering, which is, just fascinates me. Peter's saying you get to share Christ's suffering like he suffered. He was beaten. You get to. What does that mean? It means we know where Jesus ended up, risen. So the journey is not bad, but ends beautifully. So we share in such Christ that you may rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed, because one day it's going to be okay, and all will see this Jesus crowned in glory physically on the last day, and you will see it too. This is momentary, he says. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or, I like this, as a meddler. So Peter equates this. You'll see this with Paul, too. You take these terrible things where, like, I'm not a thief or a murderer, and then they'll say something like, or a gossiper. And that kind of catches everybody, right? Or a meddler. What is that? In other words, don't go around saying you're suffering because you're a Christian, when in fact, you're suffering because you did something wrong. Or I would like to say, you're suffering, you're being persecuted, not because you believe in Jesus, but because you're kind of jerk at the office. Beware of that. Be wary of that, right? For it is, so yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, so if anyone does suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him, let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And then he goes on, therefore let us, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Don't be surprised by suffering. Don't be surprised by this pandemic. Don't be surprised that it's not easy to do what is right and that not everyone agrees with you. 
And what's especially important here is by not being surprised, the responses to suffering or being persecuted or people saying you're wrong or you're losing your job or whatever because you're a Christian, the response is to not be angry or be mad. Don't be surprised. It's okay. Don't whine about it. I hate Christians and Christian churches that whine about persecution. Instead, witness in the midst of the suffering. We talked about it last week with Paul in the prison. Talk about Jesus, the hope and the peace that you have. You can do that because, as Paul, Peter says, cast your anxieties on God. He's risen Jesus from the dead. He is with you, and you know it will be okay. You can handle loss today because you know it's going to be okay. Cast your anxieties upon him. How's that going? Because he cares for you. If you don't believe it, his son is on the cross for you. After you suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion, the reign forever and ever. The Christian life is not easy, but it is beautiful. It's beautiful because Jesus, the risen Christ, is with us today and reigns and does the most amazing things, not when the, when the, when the sky is sunny, but when it's cloudy. And not when everything is going well, but when things are going difficult. And not when you're being praised and you get along with everybody, but times when Jesus really changes people's lives is when there's suffering going on. And a Christian doesn't talk about hopelessness or anger or fear, but about hope in Jesus and forgiveness. I mean, the most amazing times of conversion or bringing Christ to someone is when someone hurts you, and instead of lashing out or getting back at them, you forgive and you love, and you act like it doesn't bother you because you're being taken care of by God. That sort of stuff blows people's minds and, and begs the question, what is going on for someone to be able to be loving and kind in the midst of a calamity? And I say that again and again and again for these days, as there's division politically, as people are freaking out because they live in fear, and so they want to accuse and abuse and grab power because people live in fear right now. The church is not part of that. We are above that. We don't live in fear. We can work hard in our society. We can have opinions upon all these subjects, absolutely, and we should. But ultimately, we have a God who takes all of our anxieties, let alone all of our sins, on himself, on the cross, with no questions asked. Jesus didn't lash out when they were persecuting him, but instead quietly took it for you, for me, and for those that are even hurting him. He died in their place and rose again. The same goes for you. Don't be surprised by difficulties, persecutions, suffering, especially any of that stuff. Expect it. Embrace it. Engage it. Use it. And know that you will rise again. It will be okay. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>